The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Ellison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show. And this this show today is a show that I have been excited for for quite some time. Actually, it's made me quite a bit nervous. And, Coach, you're going to laugh at me when I introduce you here in a minute for that. But, uh, you know, I, I wanted to bring up this change in the world thing because it sounds like this big, huge endeavor. And it is. It's an impossible task if we, we as an individual try to change the entire world. But we do have the opportunity with the people that we – we interact with each and every day to have a positive impact on them. You know, on this show, we've introduced you to people like Katie Ersta. Katie Ersta is one of the most phenomenal people that I have ever met in my life who is teaching people to be healthy while she had to deal with uh, being struck with, with cancer. And her story is phenomenal. Next week, actually, her husband is coming on to talk about it from her, his standpoint. And she's doing well. We've also uh, brought on David Simpson to talk about Um, changing people's world through financial planning and doing it in a simple way. One of my favorite guests that we've had on the show, actually two of them, Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching and John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. And we sit and look at at youth sports and we – we don't think of that as a way to change change things and a way to change change the world. But I believe that we as coaches are missing a huge opportunity if we don't take that time to teach these kids life lessons that will take them beyond being a shortstop or being a being a running back on a football field or, or whatever it might be. And um, my guest today, and I'm not going to talk about completely those issues. I, I appreciate Coach Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt University being on with us today. Coach is uh, someone that I actually have somewhat of a long history with, and I'll, I'm going to tell a story and see if he remembers it here in a minute. But um, he coaches at my alma mater, and what he and, and has has done with the program that that I graduated from in the last ten or so years has been nothing short of phenomenal. And we'll talk a little bit about that with Coach Coach Corbin, his road to Omaha, all the way from Presbyterian College to Vanderbilt, and we're going to. But more importantly, I want to get his ideas on intentional coaching because, Coach, I know that uh, Coach Corbin has worked directly with uh, Bruce Brown and has worked with, with some of those folks with proactive coaching. And I, I am more than impressed. And actually, I saw what I was hoping to do with our Kings program here in, here in Kansas on paper once I saw what, uh, 
what Bruce had done. Um, some other areas, some of the kids that are going to be listening to this play ball for me and, and in this area in Wichita. And, and I think it would be interesting for them to find out what uh, coaches at the elite level are looking for when they're looking at, at kids over and above just talent because obviously talent is there. Um, I want to talk to a coach about specialization. And, and, and is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Does he look for, for kids who are multi-sport athletes, those types of things? And, and, and we'll just let it go from there. Um, coach Corbin? Thanks for coming on the show. No problem at all, Mickey. Good to talk to you again. Now, do you? I don't know if you remember this story. Um, mm-hmm. your, I think it was your second year at Presbyterian. And I was dating a girl by the name of Shannon Carter. Played volleyball down there. I don't know if you remember Shannon or not. Yeah, Due West, Dixie High School. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You've got a great memory. And I will never forget, I'd go down to visit Shannon and you and your kindness would put up with me for a while while she was at volleyball practice. And I'm still waiting for that hat that I tried to get you to give me that day in, in the office. And you said something about signing some piece of paper that would get me more of those hats. Do you, do you, <laughs> yeah. you probably yeah, don't remember I, I that sure at all. Do. That, yeah, that was a letter of intent. And I remember Shannon Carter. I remember her dad because her dad was uh, a coach right there. And T. Carter, her brother, was a fine athlete, too. So I remember that family. I remember that moment. And I remember your brother and dad. And remember those times vividly. Those, uh, those, those were good moments. Yeah, we, we had the, the opportunity to play for Roger Finley at, at, at Palmetto High School, a yeah. small school in South Carolina. And of all the coaches that I have, uh, have played for once, you know, I shouldn't say of all the coaches, outside of my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Finley had probably more impact on on me, and and we talked a, a a little bit with Bruce last week about about trust. And one thing that I think Coach Finley did for us is we trusted him, Coach. We trusted we would run through a wall for him. And somewhere along the line, when I when I got to Vanderbilt, some of that trust was lost. And I can you know I'm not necessarily going to go into that on the on the show and some of it was my fault i belly ached and, and, and whined when i needed my dad to kick me in the rear like he did when i was in ninth grade complaining about not getting to play and you, you ever have a dad uh tell you when i'm whining to him about not getting to play my freshman year coach I, I i had never sat on the bench whatsoever and finally my dad looked at me and says man would you stop whining he says Roger doesn't care which one of you guys plays on the field. He's going to put the nine best on the field, and if you want to be one of those, I guess you better go work. Yeah, well, I think uh, that's probably good advice there for sure. Um, I think, you know, when you're a a coach, you talked about trust, and you talked about Bruce, and ironically, my wife and I just spent three days with he and Dana, his wife. Uh, We just got back... uh, the other day, so we, we spent the weekend with them, so we had a, a great time up there just talking about a lot of different things, but, uh, you know, I, I think trust between players and coaches is just stimulated through communication and through relationships, and I, I think you you get into this business, I don't even want to call it a business because to, to me it doesn't seem like a business, It's it's I've said many times over, it's, it seems more like a lifestyle, it doesn't seem like a J-O-B, but through this experience, you you communicate and you develop relationships with kids. And I think through relationships, that's where trust evolves. But um, it's over a series of days and moments and experiences that that, that happens. You can't really manufacture it. it. It just happens with continuous experiences and repetitions of communication. And when that happens, you develop... A, 
a strong feeling towards another person, whether it be a player or whether it, it be a coach. And I think that's that's what you have. You have coaches who, as you would say, run through a wall for their players, and you have players who would run through a wall for their coaches. And that's just all developed through communication and relationships. And I, I think that's what coaches intend to do when they first start out. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes these relationships, uh, they get bent a little bit because of what you just mentioned, you know, playing time and the individual's intentions of, of what they want to do. And can't really fault kids for that. I mean, you, you, kids want to play, and yet you understand it. But at the same time, when you have roster sizes and a good amount of kids, you, you, you certainly can't be equal to, to every kid, just like your own kids. You, you, what you do for one, you, you certainly can't do for the other sometimes. So that, that happens here, and, and that's why you, you teach many other concepts so kids are able to handle that when, uh, when they don't play. Right, and, and as a player, that is, you know, that's ultimately what we, we go there for. And coming from a, from a player's standpoint versus a coach's standpoint, you guys mm-hmm. are, you know, here, the experience that I had, I'll tell a little bit about it, is, is, is when I was first going to Vanderbilt, I, I was looking at this as the perfect situation because we had a guy named Mark Crookton who was, our, our, uh, was a starting catcher um, before I got there and was going to be a senior my freshman year. And um, I didn't know anything about this guy named Jeff Martin, whom I think you've met, until I actually I played in a tournament in, in Georgia uh, just prior to going there and I found out that they had recruited another catcher. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just wish I had known that up front. I know that you guys are in a situation where you've got to recruit the best players that you can possibly get because, I mean, ultimately you're trying, you're trying to win an SEC championship or, or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. But that was a. I, I think that was part of it, and then a part of it was me just uh, you know, belly aching without my dad there to say stop belly aching because Roy doesn't care which one of you plays either. Right. Well, I, yeah, competition is always going to be good, and, and competition at this level is is paramount. I mean, you have to have it as a coach. You have to have it as a team if if you're going to be better. Because what happens is the pieces push each other. And that's what you need ultimately in order for a, a team to achieve its its greatness. But at the, at the same time, you, you're getting into a situation that involves communication. And I, I think as a as a coach, when you are recruiting, you have to lay those the, the the groundwork out there of what you're attempting to do as a coach, what you're trying to do through recruiting. And I, I think you try to be as transparent as you possibly can. You, you can't set kids up for what might happen because you don't know what's going to happen, but I, I think you can set kids up for what's going to be there prior to them getting there. And, and I think as long as they know that, then they, they can prepare as, as best they possibly can. But as I tell our kids here, I said, if you're looking to your left and you're looking to your right, you, you're, someone's going to pass you by. You really have to keep your head down. And uh, there's a there's a selfishness, and I would call it a healthy selfishness that's involved in sport, and that essentially is taking care of what you need to do in order to better yourself, and then you blend that into the team concept. But but as a player at this level, you certainly have to be that guy. I call them actors and directors, and you know the actors are, are people that, that come in, and they'll do exactly what the coach tells them to, but when that situation is over, then they go on their way. They go home. Directors are people that direct themselves. They will certainly utilize coaching, 
but they they move in the direction that they want to move because they're directed, they're disciplined, they see what they want to see, and you love to have those types of kids around you. Yeah, and, and that is probably something that I was pretty good at, Coach, until somewhere along my sophomore or junior year at being, at, at being the director versus the yeah, it wasn't as if I didn't do do extra work, but what I'm hoping through my experience is that I, I can help the kids that I'm coaching to understand that uh, some of the things that I went through, some of the mistakes that I made, I think one of the beauties of life is, is that we do get the opportunity to help people if we'll look at the mistakes we've made and, and share those with them so that they don't make this. I think we do the same thing with our own kids. Uh, we try to prevent them from making the same same mistakes and or at least uh, be be someone that they can talk to. Um, we're getting ready to come up on a break, Coach. I do want to get into some of the things I emailed you about earlier, and I mm-hmm. think in the next segment we will we'll talk about your road to Omaha from from Presbyterian all, through Clemson all the way to to Vanderbilt, and um, uh, we'll we'll get more into that when we get back from this break. We'll see you folks in a second. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and I am Mickey Ellison. And my special guest today is Coach Tim Corbin at at Vanderbilt University, which is my alma mater. And if you've listened to this show for any period of time, you know that I played there. We talk a little bit about those experiences with Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching. And uh, one thing that happens as a former athlete, you wind up having kids of your own, and and you you understand the game a little bit different from a different standpoint as a coach. Before we get into that, Coach, I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey because um, 
you know, when I met you, you were at Presbyterian College, and I think mm-hmm. it was the second year. Uh, I, I didn't realize that the PC had a, a program prior to that, but it had, it had gone dormant. And tell, just tell me about the experience uh, going from PC to, to Clemson to, to Vanderbilt. No, I mean, it was a great experience, and it was, uh, I was very fortunate to have it. I mean, just a young kid, 20, 24 years old at the time, and just starting out in coaching and having been at Wofford for one year under a guy named Danny Morrison, who uh, now is the president of the Carolina Panthers, but he was the, the athletic director at Wofford College, and by coincidence, I had left Ohio State with really nothing in my hand, and went down to Spartanburg and essentially knocked on his door and said, do you have anything? I don't need anything. I just want a, a position. And uh, he gave me an opportunity to help in fundraising and be an assistant coach to Mark Line, who was another fine gentleman. And within that one year, it uh, transformed into a, a bigger opportunity, and that was to be the head coach at Presbyterian College. And restart their program because it had been dormant for many years and uh, we, we restarted that in uh, 1987 and we really didn't have much but that was uh, that was a great thing I, I didn't know it then but certainly it, it was now because we didn't have a field we had to build a field from scratch we didn't have cages and we didn't have a roster when I when I got there, <laughs> there there was no there was no baseball players we hadn't recruited and there were no scholarships, so we just took the kids within the school. One of them is a young man named Bobby Bentley, who is now the offensive coordinator at Auburn in football, but he was one of my pitchers. But I just remember that first year, we went 5-20. and 20. We didn't play a game on the road, or we didn't play a game at home. We played all of them on the road. We had one uniform. And it was just, it was different, but it was uh, certainly something that to this day, was the impetus and the motivation and the foundation for really everything I I, I know because I, I didn't know much. All I was was a guy that was moving his legs as fast as they could go and trying to be the best at what I could be, but certainly didn't have a lot of experiences. So I was leaning on a lot of people and, uh, you know, growing through the process. And, you know, through there I was it, – it, at uh, Presbyterian for six years, got the opportunity to meet a, a guy named Jack Leggett, who was the assistant co- or the head coach at Western Carolina at the time. He took the, the Clemson position in uh, 1993 and at that, at that time hired me as an assistant, and I was with him for nine years. And that was the, the second best thing because uh, he allowed me to get into Division One baseball, start the recruiting process at that level, nurtured me, was a father to me, was an uncle, was a big brother, many different roles, but I, I learned a tremendous amount under Jack, and I, I learned what passionate coaching was about because I felt right then that that was a guy that really, really cared about his kids. He really cared about the boys who played for him a lot, and um, I could see that that was was quite evident to me. So I, I really enjoyed that experience. We had some success, and through that, I, I, I got the opportunity here at, at Vanderbilt in 2002, the summer of 2002, after we had gone to the College World Series at Clemson and, and then started uh, a career there. So I, I'm going on my 13th year, which uh, doesn't seem possible. And in that transition, it's kind of uh, – it was Vanderbilt – 
somewhat of a, a mixture of the two because you had the, the building experience of what you what you had to go through at Presbyterian. Then you got to the, the, to the level with, with Clemson where Clemson's had success for, for a long time. Um, and uh, Vanderbilt was kind of in the middle. I, I think when, when you got there, you know, when I played there, our, our press box was, was a folding table and chairs on top of our dugout on the first base side. And um, today, that's not what you guys have. No, we, we, we have very nice facilities, but I think your point is right. I think it's a combination of the two. I, I would go maybe a step further because Presbyterian College was a small private school, and that's what Vanderbilt is, just a, they had a higher level, Division One level, although Presbyterian's Division One now. But we were bigger in size, but we were still, we had the private school element, and I was of that cloth. I had grown up that way and gone to Ohio Wesleyan, which was a small school. So I enjoyed that. I enjoyed the kid that attended those types of schools. And then, as you mentioned, the Division One part of recruiting and, and uh, thrust into that type of athlete, that was uh, certainly what I saw at uh, Clemson. And then it was basically a combination of the two once I got here. So, uh, you know, we're certainly recruiting a, a true student athlete. Yeah, and, well, I got in and out, so I'm not sure how true that is, but uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I, my grades are actually pretty good, but yeah. uh, you know, it, it, it was a great experience. Um, one of the one of the reasons I, I, I asked you to, to to come on too was uh, mm-hmm. to talk a little bit about because I have players now that are 13, 14 years old. They're starting to figure out whether they you know they want to play baseball beyond. Uh, I, I think by 12 or 13, I, I knew that I wanted to play it beyond the high school level, and I I was fortunate enough to have an older brother that had already gone through the recruiting experience before I got there, so I kind of knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of these kids are, are, are out there out there today, and, and there is a lot of pressure on, on, on some of the kids because what I, you know, being out of it for so long before I had kids, I didn't realize what had, had happened to the game with, with the academies that are out there, folks that are really pushing for these kids to, to specialize at earlier and earlier and earlier ages. And Coach, mm-hmm. I don't know how you feel about that, but I didn't specialize on, on, on baseball until – Heck, I don't even know if I ever really, because I played basketball all the way through high school. What are your What are your thoughts on on kids specializing at, at earlier ages, and um, uh, just uh, is that a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Um, what is it? Well, I don't like it. I mean, that that's personal. I, my wife did a nice job with our girls of presenting a lot of different things to them as kids, and then trying to help them find their passion, whatever it was, but. I think what you're looking at is, you know, childhood has changed quite a bit, you know, for better, for worse. I don't think it matters. It's just changed, and, and that's what it is. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know what time frame it changed, but, you know, I, I'm a 53-year-old adult, so most of our youth was, was spent outside. I would mm-hmm. say today most of their youth is spent inside. If, if you were grounded back when I was a kid, you were not allowed outside. Today, if you're grounded, you're not allowed inside, and you have to stay off your computer. So it's it's completely different. I think the, the brilliance behind the past when kids were outside is they were developing athletic skills based solely on outside activity, and it really didn't matter what it was. It was... You know, for us, it was football, street hockey, basketball, baseball, tag. It, it didn't matter, but kids were 
moving around and they were developing athletic skills just not centered in, in one particular sport. And I think that's great. Uh, I do think it's great. Um, we're seeing specialization because I think adults, certainly not kids, it's adults that are pushing that way. If a young man thrusts, or a woman for that matter, all her time and energy into one sport, that there's a feeling that they will develop more in that one sport. And I don't necessarily agree with that. I think there's a couple issues with that. I think both mental and physical. I think kids get stale. Uh, there's some overuse issues. There's some injury issues. And I know you can get injured doing a lot of different things, but I, I think developing athletic skills is paramount to being good at no matter what you're doing. So I'm of the opinion of, of really, really branching out. Um, I think youth sports is a wonderful thing. I think parents ruin it. Uh, I do. I think they, they step inside of it, and, and they ruin a good thing. I think if kids are allowed to play, P-L-A-Y, and I mean play, then they are able to develop, they're able to make mistakes, and they're able to work through those mistakes. But I think we have a catch net under kids, and I don't think we want to allow them to make a mistake. I think we want to catch them before they fall. And I do think there's some strength behind going down Fool's Hill as an athlete and making mistakes so you can learn from them. And um, I just think that that, uh, these certainly, being specialized in sport, are not youth issues. They're adult issues. They're adult issues impressed upon youth. And uh, I I just have always felt, and I I say this in my camps, and I reiterate it to parents, that let your kids go, let your kids play other sports, they'll develop. And then, you know, 14, or I say 14, uh, you know, 16, 17 years of age, if they want to specialize into one, then it might be that time. But I, I don't like the pressure that we put on our kids to, to develop just in one sport. I, I, I think it hinders their growth. Well, I, I think one of the best things that, that helped me as far as my high school career goes was playing basketball. Um, I, you, you can vouch for this. I wasn't very fast. And, um, it, but one of the things that basketball did for me was it, it, it caused, for one, every time we opened up baseball season, I was in fantastic shape. Um, two, I love to play the game. I just wasn't as good at it as I was baseball. I probably would have pursued it just as much as baseball had I been good enough. Um, but it worked on speed and agility type things that, uh, you know, I, I, I did some of that on my own, but not to the extent that we would get in a basketball practice. When you go for two hours, you don't even think about working on speed and agility and footwork and that type of thing. All you're trying to do is is play the game of basketball, and, and I think that is a, uh, one of the things that, that we miss out on. And and you also talked uh, a little bit about, uh, about mistakes and letting the kids make mistakes. And I see it with kids that come in new with our, our program – and, and that there's this you talk about building that trust level i tell each and every one of them i look forward to you making a mistake i want you to try as hard as you can do but hard as you can because when you make those mistakes i don't want you to be afraid of making them that's my opportunity to teach i think that's true in, in sports and i think it's true in life our our mistakes is where we get if we don't dwell on them those are the things that that cause us to be significantly better at whatever we're trying to do I don't think there's any question about that. And, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I, I said that I didn't impede the progress of kids in, in my youth as a coach because of that. Because when there is a mistake, you're, I think you're quick to judge as a young coach. You're quick to correct and rather than maybe just watch and, and let it play out a little bit. 
and, and because of that, your, your want to, to help the young man is there, but really what you're probably doing is standing in his way. And as much as we talk about letting kids make mistakes, it's very difficult to do from a coaching standpoint because we want to intercede. We want to get in the middle of it and say, okay, stop right there. And I think to be a good coach, you have to let that happen. And uh, I've tried to continue to do that as as the years progress. There might be, you know, with wrinkles and gray hair, I think you you have more of the ability to do it because your past experiences would tell you that, if you got in a young man's way several years ago, then you should probably stay out of it now. And uh, I think through that, kids kids seem to bloom a little bit more, and they seem to prosper, and they certainly enjoy themselves a little bit more as well. But but I do think you're right. Uh, well, Coach, we're coming up on a break right now. When we get mm-hmm. back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, the the things that that Bruce talks about, and you guys do as well with intentional coaching, teaching things like character, honor. Um, team all those aspects and before we end the show i've got a group of kids that are probably going to be real interested in what a coach at your level is looking for when when you do go to recruit them folks we'll be back with tim corbin in a minute talk 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 that's all we do is talk If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Each week, Jimmy Gould brings you the stories and the people that you want to hear about. Tune in to A Current Life to hear about the journey to success, how our guests became the people they are today, and the highs and lows they experienced along the way. Each hour will leave you inspired and entertained as Jimmy gets up close and personal with every week's guest and shares ideas you can identify with and apply to your own life. A Current Life with Jimmy Gould airs Fridays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey 
at MickeyEllison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show, and I am Mickey Ellison, and our guest today is Coach Tim Corbin from Vanderbilt University, and I get to say something that I didn't think I would, I didn't know that I'd ever get to say, and that's Vanderbilt Baseball National Champions. Um, it does bring a smile to my face, and more importantly, it brings a smile to two little boys that, uh, you know, as I get older, Coach, I get better every year. They think I was a lot better than I was, so don't tell them right. anything different. But, uh, um, yeah, it was, it was a great year. Um, I, in fact, it was, uh, uh, you, but you guys have had more than just this year because the, I mean, some of the phenomenal players that have come through your program, um, you know, folks like, uh, uh Pedro Alvarez, Jeremy Sowers, Mike Miner, David Price, mm-hmm. um, Sonny Gray. Do you still keep in touch with those guys on a regular basis? Oh yeah. I mean, quite a bit actually. And more than maybe one would know. I, I think, through texting more than anything else. I mean, they're busy, we're busy, but I think the communication with, you know, David Price is probably four or five times a week, sometimes a and Sonny, yeah, I mean, Mikey, I just texted him the other day about a performance that he had, and Sonny came all the way out to Omaha on an off day to watch us play. Pedro, I came here during high school camp during All-Star break for him, so... Brian Flaherty, I mean, Mike Baxter, all of them. And that's nice. We have a very strong professional culture here. Actually, and I'll just throw this in here, uh, anywhere from 20 to 25 of them come back in January, and we have a locker room for them. So it's a situation that's set up for success for them because it allows them to work out together. So we certainly celebrate them throughout the year and uh, all the time. Well, and and Bruce Bruce Brown, from proactive coaching told me one of the things that you could you could always tell uh, as far as a, a coach that really impacts the lives of, of his players is the coaches that have those kids come back to him later he was telling stories about playing golf with guys that that had played for him 20 years prior and uh, you know I, I, and it, we talked earlier also about trust I don't know if you've seen if you paid attention to the picture there was a picture I think Bruce used it on their their Facebook page um, when the, the players were holding you up after winning the national championship. And he said, and, and once I looked at it, you can see the look in the eyes of your players that, that they do trust you. And they, I, I really believe they probably wanted to win that as much for you as they did for themselves. Well, you know, I think that that's, that's always nice to hear. Uh, but, you know, at the, at the same time, I think when, a family feels that way about each other, then it's, 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 it's very gratifying. I don't think coaching or teaching for that matter, if you're involved in it, 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 it emotionally is any different than parenting kids. And, you know, I'm a step parent. I have got two girls and I'm, I'm very proud of that. And, you know, when I met Maggie, the girls were, were three and six at the time. And, I think when you learn to love someone else's children, you're essentially doing the same thing as a coach, too. These are the only boys that we'll ever have. And I say will, Maggie and myself. And I think from a coach's standpoint, she's right there with me. She might as well be on staff. She's at every practice and every game. And she she just loves the development of, of these boys. So I think when you you have that type of emotion towards one another. You have those types of feelings at the end of the season, good or bad. 
And I can even go back to, you know, when we lost at the end of last year and how powerful that emotion was when, you know, it, it ends and you're gone. And I've always had a difficult time with that personally. And I've talked to Bruce about that too, but the emotion is so strong and so powerful that it, it, it goes back to the development and the communication, the relationships you have with those kids. And if you didn't feel that way, something would be wrong. And there's always a lot of hoopla when you hold up uh, the finishing trophy, the national championship trophy. But to feel that inside of a program on a daily basis is certainly special. And I think, as Bruce would say, those, that's, those are the paychecks you get. You know, when you're, you're able to develop a team like that to where they have that type of feeling towards one another, and that's certainly a, a nice thing. Yeah, and I know we had that with our team in high school. I don't know that, and I may have been as much the problem in college, but it, it, from what you're talking, a lot of it sounds what Bruce talks about. Sounds like what Bruce talks about with intentional coaching. And what what does intentional coaching mean mean to you? Well, I, I think you know it's if I if I cheat off a of Bruce, which I will. I know <laughs> Me it's, too. I know Me it's, too. I know it's yeah, I know it's about character. You know, it, it is about character and the development of because really if you're going to build a team, you really have to start at the base level. You have to start foundational. You have to start on each young man and let's face it, these kids are talented. They they're like you. They're smart, they're athletic, they're here for a reason. And when you're smart and athletic and you've always played the, the emphasis has been on that person. And so when you come in here, you're, you're, you're in here with a group of people that are just like you. Right. And you have to share your emotions with each other, and you have to share time with one another. And that's not easy for an 18, 19-year-old male to do. So you almost have to bring it back to zero and bring it back to the middle where you can start developing traits that will allow you to do it. And I, I think when Bruce talks about intentional coaching, uh, you know, I, I've never seen Bruce coach. I can only imagine how Bruce coached. I it just, you know, I would have loved to been a player for him. But I think being around Bruce and bring, being around a guy like Don Meyer, who was the former coach at, at Lipscomb in Northern State, you know, I just learned that it, it was it was more about teaching about social awareness, about awareness about yourself. And, and to be honest with you, we've been with these kids for two weeks. And in my first meeting, it lasted two hours, and I never brought up baseball one time. I never brought up the national championship one time. And in these meetings, we've had the last uh, two weeks prior to going on the field just to condition and stretch, they've been about brushing their teeth. They've been about how to introduce yourself. They've been about how to sit on an airplane. I mean, People might think it's minutia, but it all goes back to boys becoming men and men teaching them how they think men should act and how they should care about one another and how should they should be about aware about their own body language and their own mental toughness, their own look and those types of things. And I think that's intentional. I think that's just you're intentionally grounding a young man so he can develop himself for the betterment of the team. And that's what I see intentional coaching as. And, you know, this, I don't know if this is just applies to me, but as, as a, uh, as a freshman going in into Vanderbilt, you, you mentioned it earlier. Most of us were, 
real, I, we were really good players at, at the high school level. Obviously, or we wouldn't have been there. Um, but we also go from a point of being the center of attention to now being, you know, just like you said. You know, I, one thing I found out was I was the three-hole hitter at Palmetto High School, and so was the rest of the guys that I played with at Vanderbilt. There were three mm-hmm. three-hole hitters at their high schools, and it is a scary. It is a scary situation coming in. You're you're 400 miles, a thousand miles away from home, um, and, and it it is uh, it's the greatest experience. I wish I had made made more of it um, after being out of it for a while, because man, there's nothing like playing the game, and uh, and I think I had even lost that that love for the game, or thought I had lost that love for the game until I saw my boys starting to to enjoy. What what we enjoyed, it, it, we we played baseball, coach. Uh, if you call it, wiffle ball in the backyard in the swimming pool, um, we if we could find four or five guys, we'd figure out how to play some type of game. We did the same thing with basketball. But do you find uh, that's a, a big time when a freshman comes in because you know yourself? Uh, is it just me or is it? Um, it is a scary time. Because you, you you're co- you're going into the unknown once you step out in, into that situation. Well, you are, but that's part of growth. I mean, it's just uncomfortable. It's going from a recliner to sitting on a cement block, and it's not as it's not as comfortable anymore. And I think when kids go through that experience, they do. They'll they'll say they've lost their love for the game. Well, have they really lost their love for the game, or are they just upset that they weren't able to get what they wanted right now? And when you move up at higher levels and you play at higher levels, uh, then those are, those are the challenges a young person faces. I mean, especially when they go to Vanderbilt or LSU or North Carolina, Virginia, what have you, any one of those top schools, it's, it's difficult because you're getting a lot of talent in one spot. And then it becomes a little bit more skill-specific and it becomes a little bit more specific towards mental toughness, towards uh, abilities, towards focus, towards breathing, towards a lot of small intangibles that you may have not known when you were playing high school, and, and now they become more of what you're doing. Uh, but that that's just growth, and it, sometimes it takes kids a little bit longer to do that, and sometimes it takes kids who are a little bit more skilled a uh, little bit less time, but... Uh, same token, uh, that, that's, that's what playing at this level is, is about, and that's why they have different levels for different, different varying abilities of, of kids. So uh, that, that's tough. It's a tough adjustment. Right. And, and it, is a, it is a lot to learn as far as the game, because most of us in, in high school just played the, played the game. We went up to the plate. All I was trying to do was hit it as hard as I could wherever I could hit it. And then I will never forget... And I don't know if you remember, I, I was usually pretty good at putting the ball in play. I In high school, I struck out. I went a whole season without striking out at all. And I will never forget, um, I, I think we have bases loaded, one out, and Paul Keyes was our assistant coach at the time, and, and sadly he's passed away. But um, I I got down 0-2, and I went into the mode of putting the ball in play. And after I hit into a double play to end what was a, a rally, Coach Keyes pulled me over to the side and said, Ellison. I I would rather see you strike out or hit a home run. Don't hit ground balls to the second baseman. That's a bad idea with your wheels. And uh, but anyway, those those are funny stories. We're coming up on a break in this last in the last segment. I, I do want to ask you what you look for in in, in kids and mm-hmm. beyond just the athletic ability. Uh, Tim Corbin is with us, head coach of Vanderbilt University. We'll be back in a minute. 
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Tired of lackluster results with your marketing? Craving more leads in your business? Tune into the Mojo Marketing Edge with the team behind Mojo Global Marketing, Ira Rosen and Corey Michael Sanchez. Winners of the Marketer of the Year, they will show you how to generate daily leads, build databases of raving fans, and close deals faster than ever before. See what's hot right now and how you can tap into it to generate an endless supply of customers and clients. The Mojo Marketing Edge can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. This is Mickey Ellison uh, with Coach Tim Corbin from National Champion Vanderbilt University Baseball Program. Um and I appreciate, Coach, I appreciate you coming on today. This is the segment that I think that my kids that are, are really trying to aspire to, to play beyond um, the high school level probably are, are looking forward to hearing. And that is, what is it, when you go to recruit a kid, what what is it you're looking for? Well, I mean, I, I know that's broad, but I think, you know, it, it, at this level, and at least what we're looking for right out of the gate is, is someone who is a student and is a student academically first and has a care level about that and wants to do well uh, because with, without that, as you know, that there's, there's no entry to Vanderbilt University without that. But I would, I would say that's true of any, any school. If you, if you want to involve yourself in athletics and you want a future in athletics, then you have to start academically first. And I think what you're doing there is you're just training the most important muscle that God gave you, and that, that's your brain. And, and your brain is going to allow you to tap into your, your physical skills once you get on the court, once you get on the field of play anyway. I think beyond that, um, the things that, that I have learned, is, especially in baseball, is watching kids play for 
sets of games rather than just tryouts. I think tryouts, when you can get a little bit fooled because that's more about tools, that's about arm, that's about uh, bat, that's about you know speed. I, I think to watch a young man play the game is just as important as anything else. And, and watch the young man practice the game. I mean, if you can see a kid practice, as Bruce would tell you, that that's, that's just as important. You can see the kid's care level on how he goes about practice and how he prepares. But I, I think at the baseball level, we're looking for athlete, athletes who can play a lot of different positions. I tell the kids at camp that don't, while you're playing this game, don't single yourself out and just be straddled by one position. Try to do any, any amount of things. If you're left-handed, learn to play the outfield, learn to play first base, and uh, you know, learn learn to pitch. If, if you're right-handed, then you probably should have two or three gloves, and you should learn to play all different positions because that is going to allow you to be more marketable as you get older. And as you know, uh, coaches look for that. Coaches look for guys that that can do multiple things, that have multiple skills, because it, it it makes it easier for the coach to get them on the field, particularly if they can hit. I think hitting yeah. is a skill that's tough to come by, Nick. I, I think hitters are are tough to find, and I, I certainly would look for that as uh, as a huge component of, of a baseball player. Well, I can vouch that for that as far as the multiple positions. I don't even know if you know this. I had never caught an entire baseball game until my junior year of high school, and that was that was an accident in and of itself because I was supposed to be the third baseman because my brother had just graduated. Uh, actually, I was the third baseman uh, my sophomore year, and um, Sammy Cole, who was our catcher at the time, graduated, and we had we had a void there, and I had to beg Coach Finley to let me catch. I don't know if you know that. We're scrimmaging over over at West Oak, and um, throughout the game, I just kept going to. I don't know why. I said, Coach, let me catch. Let me, and, and I did it for six or seven innings, and you know the, those games can be marathon games. And finally, he just looks at me and says, Ellison, if you'll shut up, put the gear on. And uh, that inning at West Oak, I threw out two runners. And, and the next day, Brian, Brian Simpson, you remember Brian probably too. Brian was a good player. Uh, yeah. Brian winds up a, a third baseman, and I wind up a catcher. And it really was the difference in my ability to play at a division one level versus something a little bit lower because I wasn't good enough at those other positions. But what I learned playing the other positions really helped me behind the plate because I knew exactly what everyone else was supposed to be doing. And it helped me to work more as a quarterback on the baseball field because I knew that. Yeah, I I, I don't think there's any question. I I think there's anticipatory skills that you learn by – being multi-skilled and, and multi-sport, if, if for lack of a better word, uh, that, that you can gain. And, and certainly uh, the catching position allows you to do that. But being being a guy that can play multiple positions certainly enables you to be more knowing of what's going on inside the game. Yeah, and it, it was a great experience. You know, we're, we're getting fairly close to, to the close. Um, you mentioned a lot about academic responsibility in, in, in the last, uh, last few minutes, and that is one that I, I actually ran across a player one day that uh, he, he had not done so well in one of his classes, and what he, he said was, well, I've made good enough to be eligible. And to me, 
that is something that needs to be nipped in the bud right away because if if I as a coach I'm looking at a kid and they're willing to slack off or, or just do good enough in one area aspect of their life where else might they do that on the field well they cut corners on, on the field when I'm trying to bring them out to, to play the game and I, I think yeah, you mentioned um, how to sit on an airplane. Well, that has nothing to do with playing the game of baseball, but actually, it has everything to do with playing the game of baseball. Doesn't does not those little things? Well, I, I do. I, I think it comes down to the fundamentals of life, besides the fundamentals of sports, and you have to pay attention to those those small things. And I, I think you're setting limitations on yourself and, and on your future when you you minimize areas of your life that you know are important, whether social skills or academic skills or athletic skills for that matter. And uh, I, I think as coaches and as parents, what we seek to do is get our kids to be triers, so to speak. They just try. They just care. They have passion for what they do. They care about what they do. And that, that that's so important. And, and you, you see it's just more fulfilling to live a life that way when uh, you have kids around in a culture that, that feel that way about what they're doing. And the reality of life is we talk a lot about those those names of Sonny Grays and, and Pedro Alvarez and, and Mike Miner and all those guys that play in the big leagues. But the, the biggest majority of those guys that come through and play for you are not going to play at that level, but yet the skills they learn playing the game will go for far for them and and playing the game alive yeah I, I don't think there's any question about that i watching these kids navigate their way through professional baseball even at the major league level uh, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that they're there but i'm prouder of the fact that they're there and handling themselves appropriately and i, I think those are the things that maggie and i pay attention to more than than anything else and you know it, it's great that they've reached that level but it 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 doesn't make them, they're elite, but they're not elitists, and there, there's, a, there's a clear difference. And, and I think that to handle themselves with humility and to retain their innocence, even though they're playing at a higher level, is it, so satisfying to the people that have been around them here at Vanderbilt. Yeah, and Coach, I, we have about 30 seconds left in this show. For, for the young kids that are listening to this show, what, what is the... Uh, is, if there's one nugget of advice that you would give them, what would it be? I, I just think trying to be a good human being, I, I just think treating everyone well, treating other people with respect and developing relationships that go far beyond the, the field of what they're doing athletically. I, I think to be liked is nice. To be respected is better. Uh, and I, I think you're respected by how you handle other people. And how you handle other people is certainly a, a great way to live and certainly makes it more satisfying for you as an individual in, in all facets of, of what you do. Well, Coach, hey, thank you so much for coming on today. We're at the end of the show. Um, and I look forward to, to, to seeing you guys play, and hopefully I get to see you in Omaha again, again next year. I hope so, Mickey. I, pre- I appreciate the time. All right, thank you very much. Folks, we'll be back next week with Mike Ersta to tell his side of the story with uh, Katie Ersta, and you need to go to MickeyEllison.com to hear her show if you want to find out more about her. Thanks to Tim Corner for being on the show this week. We'll see you next week. Thank 
Thanks so much for joining us on the Mickey Ellison Show. Mickey plans to be here again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We hope you'll be here too. We'll be right back. 